0: Hey, we're, uh, we're, we're doing a series together uh, studying the life of David. A rather remarkable life. Matter of fact, Scripture, when it talks about this man, says that he was a man after God's own heart. And yet the thing that's surprising, probably the thing that... We just causes us to pause for a minute when you look at this guy's life is the fact that he seems to swing so drastically from side to side as, as he goes to serve God. I mean, when when David is on, David's slain giants. I mean, he is just absolutely remarkable. And yet when David is off, David is desperately off in his life. And, and, and you've probably been watching kind of as the sets have gone uh, here in the auditorium. And we've got the sides on the light sides when David's doing everything right and it's bright and it's glowing and then days like today and when it's off it's off and we're going to talk about a moment in david's life when he does what he never thinks he would do what he told himself he would never allow to happen he does and the truth is he's going to spend almost the rest of his life with the regret and the pain and the loss of this moment in his life and not because he has to the good part is he could have recovered the problem is he doesn't recover. And he will spend the greater part of his life living with what he does in this moment. Ever done that? Ever done the thing you told yourself you wouldn't do? And now you just think, boy, if, if, if there was just rewind in life. If I could just go back and have it back, I'd do anything. It's that moment you gossiped. You knew you shouldn't when you were doing it. And then the person you were gossiping about heard. And, and now you can't hardly be in the room with them. And, and the worst part is, all of your friends, the ones you gossiped to, now don't tell you their stuff anymore either. Because, see, it's, it's that moment you lied. It wasn't a big lie, it was just a get out of it lie. But the people who know you lied, They look at you a little sideways every time you say, No, 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 it's the truth. It's the truth. I promise. You stole. It was there. No one was going to. You stole. And then it became known. And now every time someone in your presence locks a door, you have to wonder do they know? Will they ever forget? You cheated. It was dumb. It was dumb. And you knew when to happen. It was dumb. It was just, it was a moment of passion. It was, you you thought it would be once and over with, and yet you still see it in the eyes of your children and in the eyes of your spouse. Ever had a moment you just thought, wow, how did I do? Why did I do that? And you never saw it coming. It seemed so small in the moment, so insignificant at the time. It seemed like it'd be once and then over with. And now you're living with it. And here's what we're going to discover today. It's what David discovered that day. That sin always starts off small and always finishes up big. So let's grab our Bibles today, hopefully learning from a not-so-great moment in the life of David to do it better, to do it differently than David did. His story is in Second Samuel, and if you're not real familiar, if you go to the front of your Bible and work to the right, you're going to find this book of Second Samuel. It's right after first Samuel. right before third Samuel. Samuel chapter 2 or second Samuel chapter 11. Here's the story. A lot of you know this story. Second Samuel chapter 11. Here's what it says. Verse 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Reba, but David remained in Jerusalem. You get what the author just tried to say to us? <laughs> not, not a big thing. Not David's just simply not where he belongs. He's, it's the time when kings go off to war. He, he's supposed to be with his men. And somewhere David gets lax. Somewhere David just says, hey, I've fought enough. It's not a big battle. No big deal. And so he sends Joab off to do his duty. And David's simply staying at home. He just he's its not that he's done anything. It's just he hasn't done what he should have done. It's no big deal. It's just one Sunday. Who—who who cares? It, it, we're gonna go ride with the kids and hang out. And don't get me wrong. I'm not—I'm not saying if you go riding with the kids on once or go to Disneyland, it's no big deal. Be careful when it becomes a habit. Be careful when for a prolonged period of time you haven't been where you ought to be and your devotional slip and your prayer life becomes stagnant because in that moment, you set yourself up. You put yourself in a position of being vulnerable. See, David simply wasn't where, wasn't doing what he should have been, what he knew to do in his life. Verse 2, In one evening... David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers to her. She came to him and he slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanness. And then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. I, I don't know about... I, I re, I, how? How does that happen? How, how does the giant slayer get slain? How does the guy who, remember last week, stands in a cave with his enemy at his hands, has a moment to... Do it his way and take his own vengeance. And instead with integrity says, no, no, no. I will not lift my hand against God's anointed. How does that guy do this? How does that moment come? And here's what we're going to discover. The worst moments in our life always start off small. They always begin little and they end up big. Matter of fact, Scripture so perfectly describes what happens in the heart and the life of David here. And let's go over there, the book of James, just to try to get a grasp of what happens as David stands on that porch and looks out and sees Bathsheba. So it's James, and go to the right in your Bible, almost to the back, to this book of James. Hebrews and then James, chapter 1. James is about to describe to you what the author doesn't fill in in the life of David. And yet, it's so true because it's exactly what happens in every single one of our lives as we struggle with wanting to do what we know we shouldn't do and then giving in. It's James chapter 1, verse 13. Here's what it says. as It describes the anatomy of temptation in our lives. The steps in which we go through that move us from, I'll never do that, to, oh my goodness, how did I do that? It's James chapter 1, verse 13. Here's what it says. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone else. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire... He is dragged away and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You realize what Scripture just did right there. It literally outlined how you move from, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, to, I can't believe I did. So let's just go back through the process. This, This is what happened in the life of David. It's what happens to us. First step. Dragged away. You could call this the curiosity step. It's the, I'm just going to take a look step. See, here's what you need to know about David. David knows when he walks out on his porch, he knows what he's going to see. See, this isn't a rarity. The reality is Bathsheba's doing what Bathsheba should have been doing because it's the most modest way for a woman to take a bath. See, here's what happened within that culture. You didn't want to go down to the river and take... You could be seen. So they built houses and and on the houses they would extend the side walls up. They'd make parapets around the walls so the roof was lower than the top of the house. And you could go on the top of your house and bathe. And you could do it with the greatest degree of modesty. Guess what David knows? David knows the palace is higher than most people's houses. And David going out in the evening time, when it's the bathing time, knows exactly what he's going to see. And here's what David says to himself. Probably shouldn't, but I can handle it. See, I I, I can handle yeah, I Yeah, might, I might see something I shouldn't see. And it's an area that I struggle in, but I can handle it. It's the curiosity stage. It's the guy who struggles with porn, who says, "Hey, no, no, I, I don't need any locks on my computer, and I don't need any parental controls on my TV set. I can handle it. See, if something comes on, I shouldn't. I, I'll, I'll flip the channel. I'll, I'll change the internet site. I'll, I can handle it." It's the gal who's consumed with stuff and all of her self-worth and who she is all depends on whether she's got the newest dress or the thing that's just as good as Alice's and the charge cards are maxed out and debt is way over our eyeballs and we're heading to the mall because I can handle it. I'll simply look. It's, it's, it's the person who doesn't have control of their tongue. Who, who always finds a way to say the hurtful thing. The gossipy thing. And we're going to go have tea with our friends. Because I'll just go and listen. I won't say a thing. Because I can handle it. It's the guy who struggles with drinking. Just gonna go sit. Just gonna be with my friends. Because I can handle it. Fourth of July weekend. I don't know if you guys know or not, I've been trying to diet. go up to my dad's house in Payson, get there, open the refrigerator, kinda got the munchies going on, and in the refrigerator. I just gotta tell you, if, if I've got a weakness, if I've got... So, sure enough, I go to the refrigerator, Then I'm like, oh man, shouldn't have done it. About an hour and a half later, I got the munchies again. And I think to myself, I've already blown my diet.
1: It's almost dinner
0: time, but I'm hungry again. Guess where I go again? Got done with Dinner to have dessert <laughs> we're driving down from Payson we're heading down now to have 4th of July with Lisa's side of the family and I'm saying to myself oh man man that was so dumb I'm gonna have to like diet like crazy to make up for what I did in like a day and a half we're driving down and the discussion turns to what we're eating at 4th of July before I can even contain it, out of my mouth come the words, It'd be really nice to have some homemade ice cream. <laughs> my wife immediately gets on the phone, calls her parents, says, Hey, we're having homemade ice cream, right? Well, no, we can do it. Oh, okay. Now we're done. I'm going, Probably shouldn't have even brought it up. I know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'll do. I won't have any. <laughs> And if I do, I'll just, I'll just have a teeny, I'll just have a teeny smidge. Guys, you ready for this? I can handle it. We got to lunch. I ate just a little bit for lunch so that I could leave a little room. They brought in the ice cream. I walked over to the container. <laughs> My brother-in-law joined in with me. Three bowls apiece later. There was about that much left for the kids. My stomach is bloated out of my mind. I walk out of the house 4th of July. One weekend, you ready for this? Six pounds! Six pounds! Now here's what I'm asking myself now. I'm going, can I really handle it? See, based on past performance, what made me think it was going to be any different this time? And here's what you need to know, guys. Some of us have sins in our life. It tastes like ice cream. And you and I have no business even having it near us. Because you know what the answer really, really, really is? I can't handle it. See, that's that's the sin I most easily fall into. That's the thing I do without even thinking. That's the thing that I just... And guys, let me promise you, that'll be the sin that one day you'll look back and say, I told myself, I told myself, I wouldn't do it. And here I am. Hey guys, anybody want to guess what David struggles with? He should have torn the porch down. curiosity stage and here's, here's here's what you need to know here's what mature Christians have discovered mature Christians have discovered that the safest thing the best thing I can do is stay as far away from that thing which tempts me as possible see what immature Christians do is they try to get as close to their favorite sin see I want, I want to go look I just want to go listen I just want to go see and, and mature Christians have learned no 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 you stay as far away as you can. does that sounds strange because you would think, well, wait, wait, if you're mature, shouldn't you be able to handle it? Shouldn't mature people be the ones who could be the closest to their favorite sin and still be all right? And here's what a mature believer knows. You give me the right moment, the wrong set of circumstances, I'll be eating ice cream. Hey guys, warning sign, when your heart says to you, I can handle it. No, you can't. Next step. There's the carried away the temptation and then it says, and then enticement, enticement happens. See, there's going to be a moment when You, like David, are standing there on the porch and you to say, I kind of deserve this, don't I? I mean, I've I've been living for God and and I've been, I mean, I'm being after all. And most of my life is dedicated and this is just that one little area. I'm pretty sure, you ready for this? I'm pretty sure that sin, that just that sin, just not all, because just that's the one sin I need in my life in order to be happy. See, I, I'm willing to give up all the other sins, but God, 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 please not that one because that's the one. And and, and God, it's I know what Scripture says, and and, and I know what but but here's the, I don't know if you understand me, God. See, I. I've got this area. I've got this thing about me. And and, and I'm willing to dedicate every other part of my life to you. But couldn't I just have this one sin? Because I'm pretty sure this is the one thing I need to be happy. And David looks out. And despite the fact that he's got all sorts of wives. He's got more money than anyone can imagine. He's got fame. He's got popularity. And he looks and sees Bathsheba. And guess what his heart says to him? That woman that woman even though she's someone else's wife even though she doesn't belong to me in any way she's the one thing I need to be happy now guys this is this is a scary moment in our lives because here's why because you and I have an enemy and I know we don't talk about that a lot in in America you don't you realize you and I've got an enemy that Satan lives to destroy us and not because he likes us or because he loves us or because he's looking out for our best interest but because he so desperately hates God that the moment you and I become children of God his mission you ready for this his mission is to make you stumble and he will say anything do anything and not because he cares because he so desperately hates God and he knows the only way, you ready for this? The only way he can ever hurt God is destroy you because God loves you that much. And he will step into this moment and he will entice. How many guys here have ever fished? How many people, gals, guys, you fished? Okay? You realize the very, the very structure of fishing is enticement. Right? It's convincing that fish that he needs more than anything else in the world, your worm, your juicy, wonderful worm. And so you take a little worm and you stick it on the hook and you toss it in the water and you say, "Here, fishy, 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 fishy." And you wiggle it around in the water a little bit so the fish is going, "Oh man, There's not another bug in the water, there's not another planty. I need the worm." It's probably kind of dumb. I see a line coming down, but I need the worm. (laughs) And so sure enough, here comes the fish and takes the worm. And you know what? Here's the thing. There's got to be a brief moment in the the brain of that fish, what little bit of brain they have. But there's going to be a brief moment in which they go, Hey, that's a darn good worm. Because you know what the truth is, guys? Sin always tastes good in the beginning. See, we wouldn't sin if it didn't, right? Sin always has some appeal. But what you and I have got to be smart enough to know is that sin always has a hook. And just like the fisher takes that rod and plants that hook in the mouth of the fish, you and I have an enemy who would love nothing more than to have you and I say in our hearts, that's the one worm I need. That's the one sin I need. Because if He can convince you of that, He'll set the hook. Remember the Garden of Eden? Think about this. Remember the Garden of Eden? Remember Satan's first temptation? He goes to Eve. Think about it. He says to Eve, Hey, 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 you can have every single tree. You can do anything you want in the whole garden, but there's one tree you can't have. God said no. You realize that's the tree you need, Right? And you realize that you and I sitting in Christian liberty and, and all the wonder of what God says, hey, go, do. And, and, and then, but Satan comes and says, but you, you realize, you realize that sin that God said, no, no, no. You realize that's the one thing you need, right? You realize God's a killjoy and God doesn't love you and God doesn't like you and He's really trying to keep you. You need that. You know that, right? And guys, I'm just going to say to you, sin always starts small and always ends big. And if David would have simply snagged that moment when he said to his heart, that's the one thing I need to be happy. If he could have just stopped a moment and said, that's not true. That's a lie. That's the enemy. He could have stopped. Not only is there curiosity, and then not only is there enticement, Then Scripture says, and then after desire has conceived. Isn't that an amazing picture? Think about this. Most of the time when a child is conceived, we don't even realize it's happened yet. I remember when we found out that Lisa was pregnant, we were going back trying to go, now when did that happen? Sin's that way see there comes this moment in our heart that almost goes unnoticed we don't even realize we've crossed the line into sin but here's where the line is it's when your heart and my heart says this if I could I would see David standing on that porch looking out at Bathsheba somewhere in that moment says huh and then he looks to the left And he looks to the right. He says, you know, if I could. See, Jesus talked about this, right? And that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 when he says, Hey, hey, guys, I I know you think the line is when you actually commit adultery. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. You need to know the line is in your heart. And that in the moment in which you say in your heart, Man, if I could, I would. It's why Jesus says, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, if you play that out in your mind, you've crossed it. If I could, I would. Next stage. Birth. See, it says... Everyone is tempted when he is drawn away, becomes curious with his own evil desires, and then he gets enticed, and, and once he's enticed, the next it conceives and then it gives birth. See, all birth is, guys, is you and I acting out what we already decided in our hearts. It's only us playing out what our hearts have already said in our lives. It's birth. And here's what we do to ourselves. We, we, we say, okay, okay, one time. One, one, one time. I'm not going to make a habit of this. I'm not going to do it. One time. And it, God will, I mean, they expect us to be perfect. And no one will know. See, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just keep it under wraps. I'll do it a little sneaky. One time. One time. Here's what you need to know about one time. Scripture says so clearly, don't fool yourselves. Don't kid yourselves. God can't be mocked, can't be made a fool of, because whatever a man sows that will he or she reap. No such thing as one time. Hey God, I'm going to go sin, but I'm praying for a crop failure. See, here's, 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 here's why we just... We are dense about this, guys. See, what we do is, is we go do our sin. We, 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 we do what we knew we shouldn't have done. We convince ourselves that it's just a little slip and no one will know and it won't matter. It will be our secret. And Scripture says what you don't understand is that in that moment you sow seeds of your own destruction. You, it, it's the sowing principle, Scripture would say. And so here's what happens. We sow our seeds of disobedience and then we go, nothing happened. I got away with it. Isn't that cool? Wow. See, here, here, here's what I'm... What do you think David and Bathsheba are thinking after? She goes home. He's laying there in the palace. I, I guarantee you, here's what David's going, Man, that was stupid. Shouldn't have done it. Won't do it again. One time. I guarantee you she's at home going, Wow. That was weird. He was the king. I felt a lot of pressure. But I could have. I should have said no. Uriah will never, never know. They've missed the principle of sowing. Because Scripture then says, hey, once it's born, once you do it, here comes the next stage. Once desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death, consequences. And the message comes back to David I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. If you could have stood on the balcony with David in that moment and said, David, David, David do you see what's coming? He would said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It's a little thing. I've got it under control. It's only once. But you've got to understand, I need her to be happy. She's the one missing piece. David will spend the rest of his life with the regret of the moment. It's how giant slayers get slain one step at a time in new guinea there's a there's a tribe there that loves one of their delicacies is flying monkey brains don't ask, not real high on my list. Here's the flying monkeys don't really fly flying monkeys just have this incredible leaping ability they can leap, if you ever seen they'll leap from one branch to a tree 20 30 40 feet away it's an amazing ability and they leap with such power it looks like they're flying from tree to tree here's the problem pretty hard to catch a flying monkey you start going out to hunt them you get anywhere near they to the next tree and then they laugh you know and you're so, the tribesmen have come up with an amazingly, amazingly ingenious way to catch flying monkeys. You ready for this? They take a coconut and they hollow it out. They put a chain on one side of it with a stake. And on the other end, they just cut a small hole. The hole has to be just big enough for a monkey to get his hand in, but small enough that when he closes his fist, he can't get it out. They walk out into the jungle right in front of all the monkeys, stake their coconut to the ground, and then drop in to the coconut little bright pieces of paper and bits of candy. Whatever a monkey wants. And then they turn and walk away. From that moment on, the hunter doesn't have to do anything but come back. Because here's what happens. Monkeys go through the curiosity stage. And they come down and they look inside the coconut and there are the bright pieces of paper and little bits of candy. And inside the monkey's heart, the monkey says, I need that piece of candy to be happy. It's the one thing I'm missing in my life. And so they slide their hands in put their hand around the piece of candy and now can't get it out. You want want to hear something amazing? That monkey will stay there strapped to the ground. He will do anything. He'll pull, he'll hurt his wrist, he'll bleed. He'll do anything. But you know what he won't do? Let go. It's the one thing he needs. And so the hunter simply walks back. The monkey sees him coming. Blow gun in hand. Guess what the monkey won't do? Let go. And the hunter simply walks up, pulls up the blowgun. All he had to do, release. See, here's the, here's the deal, guys. Some of us in this room today are holding on to shiny bits of paper and pieces of candy. That the enemy has come to us and said, "It's the one thing you need. God doesn't understand you. He's trying to cheat you. It, it's what's going to make you happy. Don't you dare? Don't you dare? Let go. And here's what I was going to say to you guys. Big regret begins with little sins. And that one thing that your heart right now is saying is life is death. And the smartest thing you can do, because some of us right now we're sitting here and our hearts are going, go home, go home, go home. That's me. I got a hand full. I told myself I could handle it, and now it's handling me. I'm not even sure who I am if I let go of that. I'm just going to say to you today, the only way to find life, the only way to make it to the other side and not say, oh, how did I and why did I? And if I could only rewind, let go. Let go. Let go. And in your heart, you and God know exactly what we're talking about. Let go. Let's pray. I'm just going to ask you to spend a couple moments here with your head bowed. And I just want to ask you, what is that sin? What's that one that you make excuses for? And that one that you said, okay, as I mature in my Christian life, I'll probably give it up someday, but it'll probably be the last one I give up. Because I really need it. It makes me happy. And, and, and I can handle it. Hey guys, that's the one. That's the one that will kill you. That's the one that will ruin you. And the only way to avoid is let it go. And I'm just going to challenge you where you're sitting. Right in the moment, as your heart says, I know, I know exactly which one it is. That you and God would do business right now and you would just say, I get it. And I'm pledging to you, I will no longer tell myself the lies and I will no longer pretend that it's just one time. It's death. It's regret. It's a lifetime of being sorry. And so I choose To let it go. I lay it on the altar today. I'm done. With that sin. And God, if I ever start to stick my hand back in the coconut. Beat me up, beat me up, beat me up. (laughs) Do whatever you have to do. Dear Lord Jesus. This is unusual or different. What afflicted David afflicts every one of us. The truth is every one of us has an ice cream in their lives. Every one of us has that thing which draws us, whether it's bitterness or lust or anger or deceit. Every one of us. And so we come today simply being honest. Maybe some of us for the first time saying, I get it. I, I get that what looks so small and I get that what I could justify and I get that what I've been hanging on to is the very thing that will bring death and destruction in my life. And so today, Jesus, I'm letting it go. I'm going to learn from David. I will not let this destroy my life. And the only way release. And so I release the I give it to you. Hey, I'm just going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. But I think this is important for you and for God. I'm just going to ask with no one looking that if you just prayed that prayer, if you just said, hey God, I, you and I we know, we know what it is. And, and I'm just done with it. I'm I'm letting it go. Would you just For God, slip up your hand and put it back down. But just slip it up to say, God, I'm acknowledging this. I'm acknowledging. Good. Good. There are some people brave enough. Anybody else? Hey, God, I'm not going to let it get me good. Good, good. Dear God, you've seen the hands. You've seen the promise. God, would you give us victory as we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm just going to ask, how's your hand? Got it wrapped around something that you know doesn't belong in your life, something that if you were being honest, you'd say, yeah has all the potential in the world to get me. But I need it. Was your hand open. Can you stand in this moment and say, God, there is nothing, nothing that I'm holding on to and reserving for myself. There, there's nothing I've convinced myself that you don't understand and that I need. Dear Heavenly Father, it starts so little. We we never see it coming because it just doesn't seem like it could ever get that bad. It was just one time. Oh God, can we learn from the life of a guy who desperately wanted to serve you but had his hand around one thing one thing, one time, the oh, Lord. Not us, not us, not us. This is our promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God be with you as you go from this place.